Welcome to the Freight Buyers Club, produced with the support of Domeco Express Group, a global 3PL which specialises in logistics to, from and within the Asia-Pacific region. I'm Mike King, and on the latest podcast, one of the topics discussed was a threat to the efficiency of US logistics and trade in 2024, a threat that doesn't involve geopolitics, the Suez, or the Panama Canal. And that threat, of course, is more union action at US ports. In this extended clip, I'm talking to Mark Zaccone, Executive Editor at the Journal of Commerce, and John Gold, Vice President for Supply Chain and Customs Policy at the National Retail Federation. Enjoy. To finish up, let's look at another domestic US potential choke point in global trade. I spoke to the Wall Street Journal's Paul Berger about rising risk from labor disputes across supply chains in the US before Christmas on this podcast. But the big risk from unions is really at ports. In 2023, this was the International Longshore and Warehouse Union casting a long shadow over performance at US West Coast terminals for much of the year. That's, of course, now resolved. But in its place, we have a looming threat to productivity and reliability on the US Eastern Gulf Coast. This is the International Longshoremen's Association, which represents over 70,000 dock workers on uh, the US and Canadian East Coast. The ILA's current deal with port interests represented by the United States Maritime Alliance, USMX, runs out at the end of October. Union President Harold Daggett has threatened strikes this coming October if he doesn't get, and I'll quote, a landmark compensation package for members. The ILA is also keen to push back on automation. Mark, how serious are you guys at JOC taking these threats from the ILA? I think they're serious. Anytime that uh, the ILA opens the door to a strike and it hasn't had a, a strike in 30 years, there's been a few wildcats and some stuff like that. But yeah, it's it's significant. Is it coming up in shipper conversations? Absolutely. I don't think the risk level, I don't think shippers see it in the same level of risk that they saw in the U.S. West Coast, not just because of the amount of volume coming through the U.S. West Coast, but just because of the history of the different unions in terms of how they worked out contracts. Uh, generally, the ILWU has been a little bit more aggressive and militant, and we've seen more kind of tactics such as slowdowns when things get tough, whereas that we've seen less of that, of course, on the East and Gulf Coast. But yeah, it's it's definitely being considered. And then, of course, not to be missed, we've also got a, a potential labor situation brewing up in Montreal. Their contract is expired and they're at a standstill in terms of negotiations. And, and you know, last year was marked by, I mean, we had the ILWU Canada too, striking in Vancouver and Prince Rupert. So, yeah, there's lots of moving parts. As you mentioned, the the ILA has had a, a lot a lot better relationship with port interests than the ILWU over the last 30 odd years. We haven't we haven't really seen those sorts of union friction. So were you quite surprised? But Daggett was quite with his choice of words. It was very, very threatening compared to what we're used to from the ILA, isn't it? I mean, I think there there was a little bit maybe you could say the rhetoric was a little bit higher, but I mean the Importantly, a lot of this rhetoric is he's saying it. We we sent uh, Michael Angel, who's our lead ILA reporter. He's gone to both of the conferences and conventions and spent days there. And a lot of that rhetoric is, is focused to the members. And a lot of it rhetoric is part of the negotiation process. I have not, nor have any of my colleagues gotten any sense from the carrier side that there's something extra rattling here. 
this is the language and this is how the two sides usually kind of come together. The important thing is, as we've been reporting, is they're still negotiating. There's no sense that we'll get any of the go slows that you guys reported on the West Coast sort of last year. Anything's possible. And I'm not, you know, I'm a journalist, so I'm, I'm reading what I see and, and talking to folks. But that that is not the sense that I've gotten. John? But Mark, to your point, though, I mean, this this saber rattling certainly is concerning for many of my members who don't want to get caught up in any kind of potential issue. So they're already planning now to shift back to the West Coast. I mean, look, the East Coast and Gulf Coast gained significantly over the past couple of years because of the ongoing challenges that the West Coast saw, whether it was through the congestion issues from COVID or the protracted labor negotiations that were ongoing and the slowdowns that we saw. So many retailers shifted to the East Coast and Gulf Coast. But now that that's a threat to them. You know, they want to make sure that they've got product that's coming in, especially because this contract expires at the end of September, which is right smack dab in the middle of the peak shipping season. And then make sure they get their holiday merchandise in. So as they have their upcoming discussions and negotiations with the carriers, this is going to be on the table for them to make sure that they've got the ability to get product here. So many of those that shift might occur earlier than normal because, again, they want to make sure they've got the lanes set up and ready to go. So our message to both the ILA and USMX is get back to the table and negotiate. We were encouraged when the parties decided to start having early negotiations and there was talk of potentially a six-year extension. Everybody was, thought that was great. You know, let's have some stability, long-term stability at a port for once. And then things kind of broke down. Obviously, we saw the ongoing labor discussions last year, not just with the, the ILWU, but also with the Teamsters and UPS. And we saw with the rail lines. I mean, all that, we've seen more strident labor union negotiations that have been ongoing. And especially with this administration, who unfortunately is more favorable to the unions, they think that is a, is a benefit for them. And with this contract expiring, you know, right before the election, I don't know, it's, it's going to be a challenge. We certainly hope that they can get back and, and have these negotiations. We know there are important issues on both sides, but they can't come to an agreement if they're not at the table. And right now, from what we understand, they're not at the table having, having discussions. John, what's the timeline on, on that potential shift or is that already happening? Because if you think that we've got problems into the East Coast via the Suez Canal, if you take that route, same with the Panama Canal into the East Coast. Again, more likely to be problems there than there is into the West Coast. Everything's pointing towards shifting your cargo to the West Coast if you possibly can. Yeah, potentially. I mean, look, you've already got some of that shift happening because of what's happening in the Suez. I think as contract negotiations pick up, you know, in the next couple of months, you'll start seeing some more of that shift. Again, folks want to make sure they've got guaranteed space going into the peak shipping season later this year. So you'll start seeing some of the shift happening earlier than you would. Yeah. And to John's point, you know, I think it's definitely a concern. It's coming up in conversations. It's part of the thinking, but it's hard to discern how much of this is actually going to change behavior. And for us, what I think is going to be the best indicator is probably right around April, May, if you start looking at the import share of the coasts. By that time, most of the new service contracts will have been finalized and that cargo will have shifted accordingly to the new carriers. And you might start to get a sense of what the appetite of risk is. But then even then, there are so many other factors that go into that. Yeah, it, it, it's a murky business. It, it is complicated and complex and is only further complicated by all the other outstanding issues that impact the supply chain. And the other issue here is what's next? Nobody knows, but yet we know something always happens in the supply chain.
So we've got to be prepared for that. Well, it's look, it's looking healthy based on uh, National Retail Federation, the global port tracker. We're going to see a nice lift of import volumes in the first quarter. So, I mean, yeah, the good thing that the port performance metrics um, on the West Coast are good. East Coast has plenty of capacity. But as John noted to our earlier talk of like, what exactly is the whiplash going to look like? 